Well, we are still stuck between high hopes and big concerns. US equities have reached new highs, but we're also seeing infection numbers rise and Dr. Fauci is worried. For us, well, there's still a lockdown in Australia and the Aussie dollar continues to fall, but for how long? We'll look at the PMIs from Friday and look at a busy week ahead, including Aussie CPI, the next FOMC meeting, and another problem for the US economy, fewer babies. It's Monday, the 26th of July, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, big rises in U.S. stocks at the end of the week, reaching new highs. The S&P 500 and the Nasdaq both at more than 1%, 0.7% for the uh, for the Dow. Banks didn't do well. Tech stocks did, although Tesla, which uh, reports earnings today, lost 0.9%. European shares were up a lot too, 1.2% for the Euro stocks 50, 0.9% for the FTSE 100. The losses were felt in China and Hong Kong. And Bitcoin, over the weekend, Bitcoin pushed over its 50-day moving average for the first time since early May. But of course, let's remember, it is around half its peak value from around that time. Uh, movements in bonds have been glacial. Uh, the US dollar is marginally up on Friday in a week that saw it gain just 0.2% over the week. It lost, then gained against the Japanese yen last week, so that pair fairly flat on the week. The pound also not down much over the week. It picked up the losses it made earlier in the week. But the Aussie dollar lost 0.2% on Friday, almost half a percent over the week, so quite a bit more than the appreciation in the US dollar. And oil up a bit, gold down a bit, and copper lifted almost 1.5% on Friday. So what of today? It's a busy week ahead. We've got the Fed, we've got US GDP, we've got Aussie inflation numbers, the earnings season in America. Let's kick off all of that with Tapper Strickland, Direct Economics for Markets at NAB in Sydney. And I wonder whether we're going to see Tapas, like we did last week, the return of more caution over the Delta variant, because we've got the Wall Street Journal reporting today how some parts of Florida are now seeing the highest level of hospitalizations since the start of the pandemic, because there's not enough people who've had the vaccine. And we've got Dr. Fauci widely reported saying how the US is heading in the wrong direction, because they still have half the population to, to, to vaccinate. So there's lots of reasons for that caution to return this week, isn't there? Uh, good morning, Phil. Uh, yes, the past week was a pretty incredible week in, in terms of markets with that real concern around uh, the Delta variant early on the week and then fully offset by the better than expected earnings figures coming out of the US reporting season. And I think a familiar theme will be in play this week as well. As you're noting before, uh, the, the, the US newspapers are full of headlines around the Delta variant. And some of the studies just reinforce the notion that while the vaccines we have provide very good protect, protection against avoiding serious illness. And uh, a recent Israeli study reiterated that, saying they're about 91.4% effective. Um, they're less effective against mild infection, and the percentages there vary. But one Israeli study suggests it's about 39% effective against, against in, in infection. And so that means that fully vaccinated people um, can still uh, train, transmit the virus. And for those who are unvaccinated or who have pretty high pre-existing conditions, then they're still likely to be uh, vulnerable. So there's more places talking about whether to tighten restrictions slightly. And so far in Europe, that has mainly amounted to um, reintroduced or re-recommended mask, mask mandates. And that's also what, and, what Fauci said. And vaccine... 
And vaccine passports as mm. well. So, I mean, they, France and Italy have already announced that Germany's looking at it. The UK will probably do it as well. But, I mean, that's not actually going to do a great deal if you can get it and still spread it, you know, if you've, if you've had the vaccine. So there's still that concern, isn't there? Yeah. But it's, it, it is interesting. We are, we're in the same place as we were last week almost, aren't we? In that, you know, it's going to be that battle again between corporate earnings and, uh, and those, uh, those, those virus numbers. I mean, I guess one bit of hope is the UK has now had five days where their infection numbers, which were very high, have uh, have started to come down. And against that, uh, we've got some big corporate earnings coming up. We've got Tesla today, tomorrow, Alphabet, Apple, Microsoft. And, uh, you know, most companies so far uh, have exceeded expectations. 88% have beaten the analyst expectations so far. That's right. It's a, it's a very big week for, for corporate earnings. And I think even with those companies, I think there's about 165 of the S&P 500 companies reporting this week. So it'll be extremely important. And as you're noting there, earnings season has been very, very, very strong. Um, and I think a lot of focus will also be on the guidance uh, and also on some anecdotes around inflation with a few more firms seeing that they've got a bit of pricing mm. power left. So, okay. What about the Aussie dollar then? Because we had another week where it didn't do too well. The worst of the major currencies, in fact. Uh, it's, I think it started to rise a bit this morning. It's the early days, of course. But it, I mean, it was almost 78 and a half in early May. Now it's, you know, stuck in the 73 to 74 zone. So, I mean, could it get below 73 and stick there? What, what's it going to do? It's difficult to tell, isn't it? Oh, it's very difficult to tell at, at, at the moment, and especially with the current Delta variant outbreak in Australia. Uh, Sydney has mm. been in lockdown. I think it's the fifth week now, and uh, Victoria and South Australia are in lockdown as well, but uh, look like they're going to be coming out of lockdown perhaps uh, this week. Uh, and so I think for as long as those kind of worries remain, I think the Aussie s- still remains under pressure. Um, you're noting uh, about what's going on in, in the UK around the Delta variant, and there has been an indicative peak in uh, new virus cases. And uh, we're looking at the UK quite closely. And if the UK is able to live with this virus with a high vaccination rate, then that still paints a fairly positive global risk backdrop. And so uh, our FX strategists are still seeing the Aussie towards that 80 US cent level by the end of the year as you get that turn in risk sentiment, um, as more countries are able to control and start to live with the Delta variant. So long as Australia gets its own vaccination rate up as well, of course. Uh, Let's look at the uh, the PMIs at the end of last week. Uh, No big surprise as well, although US manufacturing picked up a bit more. Australia's manufacturing growth slowed a bit for obvious reasons, perhaps, and the the, the UK services uh, PMI was a bit below what was expected. That could have been because of what they're calling the ping-demic. So so many people, because the infection numbers have been so high, so many people are getting pinged for having been in contact with somebody, uh, which has slowed their ability to show up for work. Uh, but I guess the, the big question between all of this, what does it tell us about the, the European recovery versus the US recovery? I think Europe's perhaps... Uh, edging ahead a bit, isn't it? it? It does seem like that. When you look at the uh, European services PMI, it rose to a 15-year high at 60.4, and the US services PMI uh, ticked down to 59.8 from 64.6. Uh, and uh, you would have to say the US economy has uh, recovered quite sharply out of this pandemic, while the European recovery has lagged uh, somewhat. And what this data suggests is that in Q3 and Q4, you may see European growth numbers outpace that of the, the US, and that would also help support that broader, weaker US dollar story in the second half of this year. 
And what about pricing in those PMIs? What's it telling us about this continued issue with supply chains? Uh, yeah, so it's still picking up a lot in terms of prices pressure there. But again, uh, it's still very unclear um, exactly how persistent those pricing pressures will be. And a lot of the anecdotes out there do suggest some of those pricing pressures might be starting to abate. And uh, we pointed to lumber before uh, and also uh, semiconductors. And it looks like that might be playing out as well. So what about, so we get Australian CPI this week. How important is that going to be, given that, you know, the numbers are a bit all over the place, aren't they? Yeah, you'd have to say uh, CPI figures in Australia normally take uh, top billing, especially because they come a week before the um, RBA meeting. Uh, but just given the virus numbers at the moment, I think those numbers are going to overshadow the CPI figures. And really the focus is on how long uh, Sydney uh, remains in lockdown for and on current virus numbers uh, I think it's quite conceivable that you can see Sydney in lockdown until at least the end of August, or at least that's what the major commentators are saying there. Um, that does have uh, some implications for inflation. It's very hard for inflation in Australia to rise if you do have one major capital city in in lockdown. Um, after all, there won't be too much in the way of pricing power amongst firms in that environment. So that probably pushes out the CPI uh recovery or the CPI lift out by a quarter or or two. Um, As for the Q2 CPI print, we're looking for another fairly subdued print. Um, So looking for headline CPI in a quarterly sense at 0.6% and for the RBA's trim mean measure at 0.4%. And importantly, that would leave the RBA trim mean measure at 1.5% year on year. So still well below the RBA's uh, 2 to 3% inflation target. And I just wanted to note two things just worth keeping in mind. Um, The home builder um, uh, building subsidy is likely to keep inflation pressures a little bit subdued. Um, And then the other one to keep mindful is is rents. Um, So unit rents in both Sydney and in Melbourne are relatively weak. And those unit rents are likely to be weak until those international borders are are opened and that's unlikely to occur at this stage until sometime next year. And I wonder whether this is going to be a, a factor sort of post-COVID that uh, we are uh, going to uh, see a slowdown in population growth. We're already seeing that in the United States. Uh, yes, and I think that is a really interesting um, perspective, especially given the rally that we've seen in the bond market. Um as you noticed, noted in your intro, uh, the US 10-year yield was a little moved on Friday um, and l- actually a little moved on the week. But when you look at those intraday uh, moves, it did reach a low of 113 on, what was it, Tuesday. So it tells you that there's something that the bond market is seeing um, out there. And I think the two things are is that US growth has likely peaked in, in Q2 and will likely slow from here. Uh, and uh, inflation is more likely to be transitory than a permanent increase on the growth side uh, population growth is very important in terms of that growth story uh, and the wall street journal is just running a story saying early estimates of total u.s population growth was 0.35 percent for the year end of july 1 2020 uh, and so that would be the lowest ever population growth ever documented in the u.s and expectations for um, 2021 is that it's going to be flat or even negative from here so very hard to see um e- economic growth um, significantly higher if you've got population growth um, at very low levels or even declining. 
could be a very short-term thing, though, couldn't it? Because you're not going to have very much migration happening, and you might have a bit of bit of caution about having kids just now in a world which is so disoriented. But it could all come bouncing back. We could have a population boom the year after, couldn't we? It's it, it's a possibility, though. Um, following the big kind of financial crisis uh, of 2008-09, uh, you did see population growth and birth rates uh, decline in a trend sense. And the fear amongst demographers is is that the pandemic also um, sits in place that kind of theme as well. Mm. So you get a permanently lower rate of population growth. Now, the week ahead, the Fed meets, of course, no dot plots, just the, the commentary from the Fed. So, the, I mean, the dot plots have tended to be hawkish, whereas the commentary has been a bit more dovish. So does that mean we're going to have a more dovish meeting this week? It's, it's possible. And I think the Delta variant is one risk that power could cite uh, in order to convey that uh, dovish expectation. I don't think we'll hear too much more on the hints and the timing of tapering. And I think really we'll have to listen to some of the Fed speakers post uh, the FOMC uh, press conference there. Um, And really, I don't think expectations are very high for them to talk about uh, tapering in a detailed way at at this meeting. I think most are still looking towards Jackson Hole in late August as that key signpost uh, for around the timing of tapering and for what form a possible tapering could take. And I wonder uh, how relations with China are going to play this week because we've got uh, the US Deputy Secretary of State Wendy Sherman is in China right now trying to ease tensions between those two countries but of course it all has repercussions for Australia as well doesn't it? Oh, it, it does indeed uh, and I, I guess at the moment you've still got in the in, in the background the US publicly citing China as a source of state-sponsored cyber activity uh, or cyber attacks um, and so I think that's likely to dominate a lot of the conversation there and for Australia um, Australia's really been wedged between uh, China and the US and that wedge is likely to continue and unlikely to abate from from now and the interesting case for New Zealand is that they uh, signed on to that uh, declaration by the US was previously they haven't really signed on to many of the um, US and Australian initiatives in terms of um, criticisms on China and so you could start to see deterioration in the New Zealand-China relationship from here as well. Well, this morning we get uh, the, the New Zealand trade numbers and German IFO numbers later on as well. Yeah, it's a very quiet day uh, here and internationally. I think the German IFO is probably the one to watch there and uh, the IFO uh, suggests that the current assessment is likely to rise while expectations are likely to dip a little bit and uh, for Australia um, most of the focus is going to be on virus count numbers, especially just given the context that uh, we could see lockdowns lifted in uh, Victoria and South Australia uh, from late tomorrow. Alright, we'll leave it there for now. Very good tapas. Catch you again very soon. Thank you. Uh, cheers. Uh, thanks Phil. And it's good morning from him and it's good morning from me. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Stay safe. Catch you tomorrow morning.